Welcome to What Do You Think? I'm Al. And I'm C. Da 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 it belongs in a museum why did it have to be snakes why why did it have to be indiana jones yes that's what we're reviewing today folks we are reviewing the fourth or no the fifth and final entry of the indiana jones film franchises the first not not, directed probably not guys it's probably not the last one they're milk this till it's dry. They're gonna milk this until. Uh, oh no, that's too morbid. No, <laughs> no don't say. No, they're don't they're, say gonna, they're, gonna say. they're gonna milk this until they convince a dementia-ridden Harrison Ford to sign no. away his likeness rights. So God. then, so then they're gonna have poor Anthony and Gruber uh, play play Indiana Jones and just have a digital Harrison Ford face. And then they're going to use AI to recreate Harrison Ford's voice. Stop. And that's how they're going to make Indiana Jones for the next 20 years. The Oscar winning one, too, of course. I'm <laughs> that's Wait, the Raiders, one that does. Raiders, Raiders didn't win anything? I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it got some stuff. I just don't Yeah, but like I was saying. Press to tell me what. But like I was saying, uh, Harrison Ford says this is his last one. Who knows? Uh, but mm-hmm. We're talking about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I know, weird name to give what is supposedly the final chapter of your film franchise. Your iconic film franchise, right? Yeah. Oh, iconic without a doubt. Uh, so, man, we could have like a five-hour discussion on Indiana Jones. We're not, we re- though. We're not. We're not. We're not. We're not. We're not. We're not. Uh, but uh, have, have we ever just shot the shit about Indiana Jones, see? Not really. We haven't. Um, okay. Like, like yeah. I think we've t- I think we've talked with our friends like, like who who's like it's one of our friends' favorite movie like Raiders is someone's favorite movie I I'm assuming. Yes, um, it's up there. I know. It's not either of ours favorite movie. Just to be clear, no, like, we we like no. Indiana Jones, but but <laughs> we're not such big Indiana Jones fans that we're gonna dress like Indiana Jones. Which one walk. you did? No, no, right a whole group us. of people oh, yeah. did. A yeah, whole group of people something. did, and we were like, "This is what you do for the midnight screening, not for like a couple days after it released." Yeah. But anyway, anyway, um, Indiana Jones. What's there to say? Created iconic. By, created, George Lucas. Created by George Lucas. Gave directed the by idea, Steven Spielberg. Directed by Steven Spielberg. Brought to life by Harrison Ford. Uh, already that dream team everyone knew this was going to be a big hit when it came out in 81 mm-hmm. but what no one realized that they had just created a very like the very very american response to james bond really mm-hmm. and truly um you know george lucas was inspired by old adventure serials from the 30s that's why him and him and spielberg decided to set raiders of the lost ark in the 30s Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was the idea of like, what if we had, what would an American James Bond be? And it was like, mm-hmm. well, he wouldn't be working for the government. He'd be, he'd be too independent minded for that, but he would be this guy who was really smart, used his wits, like was a smart Alex, sarcastic. All the women loved him mm-hmm. and all the men weren't jealous of him. All the good guys wanted to be friends with him. You know, he wasn't mm-hmm. suave, but he had a tenacity that couldn't be matched. Mm-hmm. And listen, <laughs> I mean, look, in hindsight, you're like, yeah, with Ford, 
Lucas and Spielberg, of course, they were going to create the next uh, something amazing, icon, the next cinema icon. But at the time, everyone was like, OK, this is going to be a fun little adventure movie, you know, and like shit, dude. Like, let's see. It's been, what, 50 years already since 81? Yep. A little bit over 50 years? 40 yeah. Years? Oh, my 50. God. And, and like, everybody and their mother knows who Indiana Jones is. And, uh, you know, the friend, from that one movie, it spawned into what at the time was going to be, thought it was going to be a trilogy. It was one of the highest grossing film franchises of the 80s. Uh, it, uh, you know, in the 90s, George Lucas kind of went back to Indiana Jones and created the young indiana jones chronicles uh mm -hmm. which there I, were books too there were books there were comic books that were made by marvel at the time i want to say oh wow um there was pretty much like in the night people forget like in the 90s there was a good amount of like indiana jones stuff uh, stuff and you know i actually owned a vhs copy of an episode of of the Indiana Jones, Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. It really? Was, uh, it was the Treasure of the Peacock's Eye. Mm. Uh, and I saw that. I was like, wow, this is really good. Uh, and people forget that the, so basically it was always, it was, the stories were either about Indiana, like child Indiana, and then teenager or young adult Indiana. Mm. And uh, the Treasure of the Peacock's Eye was young adult Indiana. Like he had just, they had just finished, uh, World War One, World War One just ended, and he decided to find this uh, this this gem called the Peacock's Eye. And uh, at the time, I know way too much trivia about this TV show. It mm -hmm. was the most ex at the time in the nineties. This was the most expensive TV show ever made because George Lucas was like, "Well, it's Indiana Jones. You got to shoot on location." <laughs> exactly. so they, That's so true. Literally shot on various locations where people were like. For network TV, are you insane? He's like, yeah, let's do it. Yes, I am insane. No, he's not. And you know, there was always talk. You know, even though like everyone, like it's in the title, Last Crusade. Everyone was like, okay, it's gonna be the last one. There's not gonna be any more. But what people didn't realize was that Harrison Ford always told George Lucas, always told Stephen, man, I like that Indiana Jones character. I can play that anytime you guys. If you guys want to make it, let me know, and I'll I'll do it. And uh, there was always talk that they were going to do a fourth one in the 90s. Mm -hmm. uh, Didn't happen. The rumor was always that it was either going to be Atlantis or, or the Spear of Destiny. Or the Spear of Destiny. Uh, it didn't materialize. And then finally... There was also talk of a ha more haunted house type one where he's like visiting this old ancient European castle. And it was like... Ooh, that sounds so cool. There was, so, but instead, that one was later adapted into a book. That one was later about after this book. Yeah. And, and really the only holdup was that George Lucas was like, no, I, we, we've done ancient artifacts. I want to do something else. And that finally in like 2004, he calls up Steven, Steven Spielberg and goes, hey, I figured it out. Uh, <laughs> we're going to do the, those crystal skulls. And he goes like, what? Yeah. You know those crystal skulls people found in the desert? We're going to do that. And uh, they got the ball rolling and uh, – Eventually, in 2008, we got Indiana Jones and the King of the Crystal Skull, which, uh, let's just say, had a mixed reception amongst to Indiana Jones To say the Jones least. Fans, to say the least. Um, you know, <laughs> I think for me, personally, personally. Mm -hmm. so, so let me give a quick, let me give my quick review of the original trilogy and then King of the Crystal Skull. 
Yes. Raiders. Amazing. Just saw it again. I really do think it's one of the best adventure films ever made. Uh, Temple of Doom. Um, not bad. It's just, it has a really weird dark energy that I don't know where that came from until I realized, oh, Steven Spielberg directed this as he was going through a divorce. Okay, I get it now. Now I get it. It's <laughs> not great. I really like the little character of Short Round. Um, I think the, the design of the Temple of Doom is pretty boss. But it's not as, I definitely don't think it's as good as Raiders. The Last Crusade. My personal favorite, because I really, really like the interaction between Indiana and his dad. I really like it, and uh, I really like the third act. So it's my mm -hmm. favorite. I don't, it's barely not as good as Raiders, but just barely. Um, but I really enjoy it. I'm actually probably going to rewatch that tomorrow, maybe. I don't know. Soon. Uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. The big thing I don't like about it is that it weirdly really looks digital. And that's so crazy to say because the way it looks is like how a lot of MCU movies have been looking since like uh, Captain America Civil War. Where there's like there's a lot of digital compositing. Mm -hmm. And Kingdom of the Crystal Skull looks like like everything looks fake. And that's the big thing that bothers me about it is that nothing looks like that they shot on location. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not bothered by an older Indiana and I'm not bothered by the character of Mutt. He doesn't bother me. I think Shia LaBeouf does okay. Uh, I think his set piece where he's swinging on the grapevines looks really bad. And Kate Blanchett, it seems like she's not really trying to play a villain. Like, like you know, she's like, okay, I'll do the accent, but I, I, I'm just doing this as a favor to Steven almost. Mm -hmm. Um... And I'm sorry, but I think the whole thing about interdimensional travelers, I, I think that's a bunch of horse shit. I, I really don't like that. I really, really don't. Um, I really do. I, I know, I know, but I really do think that jumped the shark, and I, I, I still can't get over that. That's the mm -hmm. main thing I just can't get over. I, I, I don't think Indiana Jones needed to go into aliens. I think, you know, keep it to mystical relics. And then have the third act be like, oh, it's actually magic. And then end it right there and then finish the movie. Like, the formula worked for three movies. Why are you now adding this whole thing of like, oh, there's aliens out there? That's Because George Lucas, he sometimes, <sighs> yeah. sometimes, well, that's a, never mind. He sometimes gets it in his own way, sometimes. Yeah, and that's that's my big problem with the movie. So if I'm to give my, if I'm to give my, like, ratings, it's like Raiders or, like, here's my ratings of preference. Last Crusade, immediately followed by Raiders, Little Gap, Temple of Doom, Pretty Big Gap, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. All right, see, you go. So, uh, the Indiana Jones franchise, without a doubt, is one of the most iconic American film franchises ever. That's no denying that. And I love them. They're amazing. Um... I think for me, I actually agree with you that there is something very special about Last Crusade, but you need... It's only that good because of the other two. It wouldn't have worked as the first one, obviously. It wouldn't have worked as the second one. You needed it to be the third one. You needed it to be the end to this perceived trilogy at the time. 
Um, it's sort of a coming home for Indiana Jones. And it's, it's amazing, it's wonderful, and the dynamic between Sean Connery and Harrison Ford is absolutely fucking fantastic in every possible way. They even, is that the one, is Last Crusade the one where they're up on a hill and there's a tank and they're like, oh, we're way out of range and the tank hits behind them? I think that's that one. And I that's, think it is, yeah. And it's absolutely hilarious. It's it, it just, also has like, it, it also has like the best like final shot. Like, like that's the shot that mm-hmm. tells you, okay, this is it. This is the last chapter. And that was my, that's like a, I know a lot of people have that problem with, with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and by extension, uh, Dial of Destiny, is that that last shot of Indy, his dad, uh, Marcus Brody, and Sala just galloping into the sunset. That's like, the ending. That, that's, that's an ending. That, that, that's as good an ending as you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And, and listen, I know this is, it's such a petty thing, but Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, like, when they were like, okay, this is the final chapter... And all that has is just like a, like that uh that radial, radial uh, what's it called the 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 radial transition, on the hat, mm-hmm. that is nowhere yeah. near as good as that last shot from Last Crusade. Anyway, no. sorry, sorry. Go keep going, keep going. So, but with the understanding that it needed the other two to be that good, that is my favorite. And then very very close second, I agree. You have. Um, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, which people rem- forget was just called Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's it. Didn't it wasn't called Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, just Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, then Temple of Doom. Temple of Doom is very much a film of its time, while also being one of the better movies of that time. You know, it's very Goonies esque and actually. The child actor was also in Goonies as well. Uh, but it's very much of that era. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's very dark, but also very hokey and silly. Um, it, it's very much what it is. But one thing, and Al, I think you already know this, but a lot of people I don't feel know, is that two movies that Spielberg was involved in, both uh, te- uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and, and Gremlins and Gremlins are the reason the rate the PG thirteen rating exists. Those movies were originally rated PG, and enough parents were very upset by that because and I understand why people would look at that and be like, "This is not; these are not PG. That does not qualify." But at the same time, it really could you couldn't call it R. So that's. These two movies, like a year later, if that, um, it created the PG-13 rating. And I think even certain people went to, or like made testimony at Congress, I think, like talking about this, because originally the, the intent was to up what it meant for a movie to be rated R, which would have been very bad in general. So instead it was, let's add this middle one, which is PG-13. It's why American rating systems are so different than rating systems that are used for almost the rest of the world. Um, I'm going to give you a piece of trivia that you probably didn't know. I I probably don't. Did you know Temple of Doom was banned in India? I knew this. I did. Oh, you did? Okay. I did know this. And it was because of 
So it was it was not for the reason you would entirely expect. Yeah, um, like like I because when I when I learned this, I was like, well, okay, it was banned because it's like, oh, it shows Hinduism in a bad light, and it's like, no, 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 it's banned because the Indian government at the time was so offended that the movie presented Indian cuisine as chilled monkey brains. Yeah. Like they yeah. were like, this is a, this is offensive to our culture. Like half of our States are vegetarian. That dinner scene is what did it. That, yeah. Where the chilled monkey brain and the snake stuffed with other snakes and whatever else they were eating like that. They, it was cause yeah, fun fact folks, the majority of people from India are vegetarian. Um, and that really set a lot of people at the government off. And I think only very recently was it unbanned, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not, not ceremoniously either. It was just like very recently they were like, yeah, sure, whatever. But it was that was like, I think, within the early or mid-2000s. Like, it took a long time for that yeah. to be undone. Yeah. Um, you, yeah, no. I, but that was also in that era, and we've talked about this about a different movie, where for some reason throughout the 80s, any food that like wasn't a cheeseburger man or like very stereotypical, you American, know, America, yeah. Americana was just portrayed as some of the grossest shit ever. Yeah. And it wasn't always exclusive to like Asian cuisine, like a lot of people think. Like there's a scene in, um, oh God, I don't, I think it's, I think it's Richie Rich, I think, where. He's at a fancy French restaurant and they pull out and it's like these, it's these snails and they make it look really gross though. Like it's way over the top. Yeah. And like, that was just that era. European, European food was disgusting. Latin American food was disgusting. Asian food was disgusting. Like Asian it, food was alive. Apparently. <laughs> that was no, that. I mean, that, that just shows you the culture of America during the eighties that everything was disgusting outside of uh, their food, outside of their food. But then obviously like, that slowly started changing. I think it was a mixture of that. The people who actually liked like, like foreign food were usually like the really rich. Like mm -hmm. people forget, like if you were someone who had tried sushi, that meant that you were like a rich yuppie. Yeah. And, and, and the thing was like, Oh, look at that. Look at those elitists, like having foreign food, like can't yeah. appreciate like a good old, like a meatloaf, American meatloaf with a big uh, potato. Yeah, so it was a mixture of kind of like an extension of America's foreign policy at the time and also kind of this class resentment that you saw between the working class, middle class towards the uh, the elite class. So. And then just I think over time people realized, oh, sushi's delicious, y'all. Like, yeah, no, like you see, kind of what you see the trend of people going like, what? Sushi? Are you, you must be crazy. Like, oh, like, even in a breakfast club yeah. where Molly Ringwald is eating the sushi and uh, the other guy is like disgusted. Exactly. And, and that was like, meant to show her as like this pris and proper out, know, of touch, rich, rich out of touch rich girl. But then it's like, now that kid would be eating the sushi now. Exactly. <laughs> you see the trend like around the late 90s is when everyone's like, yeah, sushi's great. Like, hell, now we eat freaking um, uh, sushi bowls. We eat uh, poke. Uh, poke bowls. Mm -hmm. So, so like, hell, um, I I remember when, when like, I, what was the movie? Uh, it was, it was, um, 
it, it, it I, re- I remember the movie where someone's like, oh, your grandma's from like England and it's like a bunch of blood and liver. Yeah. And it's like, it looks disgusting. And then you're like, actually English cuisine, it's not the best, but it's definitely not just blood and liver. Or but there was, um, there anyway, was a, anyway, 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 yeah. we're, we're kind of losing the, the plot. We're but. losing the plot, but there was folks look it up. There's a whole era of movies where anything not American somehow blinked, talked and like, was being slaughtered in the moment or just really gross. <laughs> yeah, really gross. Um, but uh, so I'm guessing after Temple of Doom, you, you so ap- s- tolerate Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Kingdom of the Crystal Skull exists. Um, that being said, well, here, okay. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull plays into George Lucas's weaknesses way too much where for some reason he really loves that CGI stuff. But that was also the era at the time. It still is. It's just people are more aware of it now. But it's so weird. It's so weird. Sorry to interrupt. It's so weird to me because Spielberg very much is this guy who was like, I prefer to have as much done in camera as possible. Like, like not to the extent of Nolan. Nolan takes it to the logical extreme. Yeah. But he he was a guy who's like, I like doing as much in camera as possible. And then you watch Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and it looks more digital than even like Ready Player One. Yeah. And it's so weird where you're like, really? A digital gopher? Really? Well, okay. that's, that was really, yeah, that. So I just remember. Or very, Prairie Dog. It was a Prairie Dog. It was a Prairie Dog. Yeah. I just remember sitting in the movie and like in the moment enjoying it, except for the ending. I remember seeing it and not liking the ending. And then like not even a year later, I think I was watching some YouTube video about it and I realized, oh yeah, you're right. That prairie dog does look really bad. And, or maybe two years later. And then I re- I realized like, yeah, that really wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, and I think that was also like, that wasn't the first example for me, but it was one of the most vivid examples of, wow, remaking some or doing, picking up something so many years later doesn't always work. Obviously, you have plenty of others like Terminator 3, Basic Star Instinct Wars pre- 2, Basic Instinct 2, the Star Wars prequel, some would argue, um, various things like that. But I remember like thinking like, Oh yeah, they should stop this, and then they just haven't stopped um, yeah. doing that. But we'll get further into that in a moment. But I'm pretty much on the same wavelength as you. But I do find Temple of Doom just a fascinating case study in the history of cinema, because um, I know um, Raiders of the Lost Ark and um, um, Last Crusade. Last Crusade. God, my favorite one, and I blanked out on the name. Those are both in the Library of Congress, but Temple of Doom is not. Um, For its historical significance, what it did, I think you should put it in there for that very reason. Mm -hmm. Put that and Gremlins both in, like for what that changed. Like the whole purpose of the Library of Congress's media section is historically significant media. Well, if your media, along with another thing, changed the rating system, you have to like the movie or not, which I enjoy it. You have to preserve it. Mm-hmm. There's no way around that. So I just find that movie very fascinating. I also find it interesting that apparently that's the movie that 
um, years later when we were kids, I had, I had a few friends, and actually a, a critic we both admire talks about this in his experience as well, but I had a few friends who he was a he they were these two friends they had seen uh, the the first one and the third one but their parents would not let them watch Temple of Doom for that reason because it was a little much it was a little more intense. Um, That's crazy because my yeah. first time my very first Indiana Jones movie was Temple of Doom. On like TNT, or it was like on basic cable, and that's oh, where I wow. saw it. It's it's actually pretty interesting. Empire Strikes Back and Temple of Doom were the first of those oh respective franchises that I ever watched, and it was on basic cable. <laughs> hey, you know, you watch it how you watch it. Yeah, that's you watch fun. it how you watch it. Um, all right. So uh, right before we get into watching the trailer and then giving our review of this movie proper. Mm-hmm. So you know, years pass by. There's rumors that. Lucas wants to do one more or not Lucas uh, Harrison Ford is like, Hey, Hey, let's do another one. Guys, let's do another. Like this one didn't crystal skull didn't hit, but l- let's do another one. Let's do another one. He wants to and, end it. Right. Basically. Yeah. He doesn't like um, Lucas is like, I don't know. I'll think about it. Uh, Spielberg's like, oh, you know, I'll do it whenever Lucas is ready for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Shia LaBeouf is like, I kind of don't want to do blockbusters anymore. And he, uh, he kind of, was on the outs with Steven Spielberg because he shit on the movie like while they were doing press for it. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and, but you know, there was always a talk like, okay, let's do one, let's do one, let's do one. Then 2014, no, 2013? Yeah, 2013. It's announced George Lucas has sold Lucasfilm to Disney. Mm. And the first thing that's announced is that Disney goes, we're going to make another Star Wars trilogy. Yeah. Holy shit. And then some months later, like it was a few days later. They said that. It yeah. They were crazy. like, like, like I remember I texted, I don't know if I texted you, but I texted all my friends. Disney bought star Wars and uh, like half, half everyone, of my friends, everyone was talking about it. Every, everyone in the, every cinephile was like losing their minds over that. Half, mm-hmm. half of my Being friends, crazy. half of my friends were like, like, dude, no, come on, shut the fuck up. But anyway, then some months later, it's announced, like after Kathleen Kennedy is installed as the new CEO of Lucasfilm, she mm-hmm. goes, yeah, we're going to make another Indiana Jones. I don't know when, but we're going to make one. It's coming. It's coming. And they did. I think they did clarify. We will finish the we will make the first these the new trilogy of Star Wars movies first. They did say that. Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's, so this 2013, we're like, okay, well, they better do it soon because uh, Harrison Ford ain't getting any younger. And we find out that the reason Kathleen Kennedy announced that they were going to make another Indiana Jones, because that was the condition Harrison Ford set to return as Han Solo. It was, okay, <laughs> if I'm going to do Force Awakens, you're A, going to kill me off at the end of the movie, and yep, B, I, that I knew, yeah. B, Another Indiana Jones motherfucker. I need my indie. Yeah. <laughs> Give me that. And they did. They're like, Here and they you go. did. They're like, yeah, Have we'll do it. it. We'll do sure. it. Uh, Steven Spielberg signed on to direct. Uh, a script was worked on. Uh, the project was on and off for a while. And then in around 20, around 2019, uh, Spielberg announces that he's not going to direct the movie. He just doesn't have the time. And James Mangold, hot off the press, hot off of just directing a very good movie in Ford v. Ferrari. Mm-hmm. And he was really well known. And I think uh, 
was getting Oscar considerations for directing Logan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had signed on to direct. Everyone was really excited. Everyone was like, oh, well, if you're going to get anyone, get James Mangold. He's kind of the, he was kind of the it director of the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Literally of the moment. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, things, things, looks like things are about to get rolling. Then the pandemic hit, uh, that complicated some things. Harrison Ford got injured uh, on set almost immediately, which yeah. seems to be a, ru- a running thing that, like, on Star Wars, he got injured. On he Indiana broke Jones. his leg in two places at Star Wars. Yeah, and uh, then in Indiana Jones, he got injured. It, it's, uh, like, he, he's kind of jinxed. But anyway, uh, so, but the big thing was, that, or the thing was, was that by the time the cameras got rolling on Indiana Jones, Public opinion on Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm really soured. Yeah. People. And we won't. Yeah. Yeah. We won't get into it, but people were pretty much saying like, get uh, out. She's not, she's kind of doing these things where she takes our beloved icons and just ruins them. And, you know, people were a- asking for her to be fired and there was no, you know, there was trepidation approaching this project. They, they could they they could not make a right move. Yeah. Then uh, Phoebe Walder Bridge, who most people know from Fleabag, uh, she played the droid in Solo. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, she helped uh, do some rewrites for uh, No Time to Die. Yeah. She signed on to be the 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 co-star, the co-lead of the of the film, mm-hmm. and immediately people were like. Oh no! They're gonna try. Uh, Indiana Jones went woke. They're gonna tr- they're gonna replace Hindi with this woman character. Uh, I bet you they did something to Mutt to get rid of him because it because they had made Mutt seem like the heir to Indiana, like yeah. at the end of the last uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, mm-hmm. and yeah, people were not very happy. And then, like earlier this year, a lot of leaks about the movie kept coming out. Mm-hmm. A lot of them. And the which movie, I intentionally did not look up for the yeah, record, but it it's it went they all went super viral, especially after the trailers got released that appeared to confirm some things of the leaks. James Mangold tried to do some tried to clear the air on his Twitter account, but that seemed to make things worse. So the movie basically was going in with a very like at best a. Uh, an audience with a lot of trepidation at worst an audience that did not have a good idea of what the movie was a, a positive idea of what the movie was going to be mm-hmm. uh so that's one of the reasons why and folks it's not i mean it's kind of common knowledge this movie's not doing really well in fact it's, it's kind of it's kind of on track on being a a, a, a box office bomb honestly which that's something i got to bring up this um this is the summer of bombs yeah. If you think about it, like yeah. you have two massive, massive bombs. I think Flash was obviously a bigger bomb. Let's be clear. Yeah. Like, let's be clear. This is no Flash. Like, this is, this is, it is bombing, but it's not like, it's not a meteorite hitting, catapulting into the planet, but it is bombing. But this is, like, people are noticing that this summer is really having a lot of off beats. Um, and yeah. at the moment, the Spider-Verse movie is set to possibly be the biggest movie of the summer, possibly. Yeah, I mean... Which is amazing. The only thing that the, the only thing that looks like they'll challenge it is 
Mission Impossible and Barbie of all things. And Oppenheimer has a chance because it's... Uh, Oppenheimer has a chance because it's Chris Nolan, but... And the pre-sales for Oppenheimer have been doing insanely well. Yeah, but Warner... Not Warner Brothers. Universal. Universal is very intentionally, like, expecting uh, kind of, like, something less than, than, uh, than, like, a blockbuster. They're kind of expecting, like, a, like, a high-range mid, mid-budget, which it is. The movie was not that expensive to make. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, dude, it's so crazy that, like, the Fast and Furious movies didn't do well. Rise of the Beast, the Transformers movie, didn't do well. But they, uh, like, are making their money back, kind of. That's they're making like, their money back, kind of, but the Oh, Flash, even, Little Mer- even Little Mermaid did okay. Like it, it did okay, but but there's no there's nothing that's like just doing gangbusters the way Spider Verse is. Yeah, yeah, it's Spider Verse. Spider Verse is like, and to be clear, as our review said, rightfully so. It, it this like is, yeah, it it's been the best movie we've reviewed all summer. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt, it is. Here's the thing. I think this is what is happening right now in this summer. I am what I'm hoping it will be is a flu that fights the infection we're seeing with a lot of these remakes and multiple sequels and stuff like that. Like, because if you look at last year and this year, you are seeing a, a slow rise in original content and it doesn't all do well, but a lot of it does. And I'm just hoping that this is like setting things, making Hollywood realize that you can't rely on well-established IP anymore. Like, it still can work, but you either have to have a highly original take on it, put a lot of talent in it, or basically you have to give a shit, basically. So this is a very necessary thing that's happening, I think. Yeah. But that's just me. No, no, no. You're, you're Listen, I totally agree with everything you've said. So, um, But Indiana Jones, yes, this franchise... And it is a little sad that it is falling into that. Yeah, so... Let me give my quick thoughts on what I ex- what I was kind of expecting and hoping for with the project, and then you can give your thoughts, and then we'll watch the the sure. trailer. Uh, listen, um, I'm not the I'm not a big Kathleen Kennedy fan. I'm just not. Uh, I think she's made some very boneheaded decisions, uh, not not because of wokeness or anything like that. No, no, no. I I genuinely think that how can you run a film production company and your biggest IP and you're like, we're going to make a trilogy and you don't plan it out. You're just kind of like, eh, you write something and then we'll just shoot it. Mm-hmm. That's stupid. That to me should have should have been what got her fired is the fact that the the narrative through line of the sequel trilogy of Star Wars is so like batshit insane and inconsistent that at the moment the moment uh, Rise of Skywalker got released, they should have said Kathleen Kennedy's retiring and uh, we're giving the position to um uh, the I guy thinking of uh, Dave Filoni. We're giving it yes. to him. We're giving it to Dave Filoni. Or we're giving it to John Favreau. We don't know. One of those two, right? Yeah. Um. You know, it seemed like you know they were correcting the ship. The first season of Mandalorian was really, really good. Uh, but then you had, of course, Rogue One was amazing. Rogue like... One was amazing. Um. But you know, then you you kind of see that uh, uh, Book of Boba Fett came out and people were kind of like iffy. And apparently not a lot of people are happy with season three of the Mandalorian. So that's what I'm she hearing. Was, she, she was kind of, again, she was kind of falling out of grace again. Mm-hmm. And but then you also had, uh, um, oh my, 
uh, what's the show? What's the Star Wars show that everyone's loving right now? Andor. Oh yeah, Andor. Andor. Yeah. Andor's Andor. great. Andor's yeah. great. Um. So, but anyway, listen. What what I'm trying to say is that she was kind of falling out of grace again, and the the big thing was, and I know a lot a lot of people on the internet are hater because she's like, oh, you know, the force is female, blah, blah blah. No, that doesn't bother me. What bothers me is the fact that it seems it seems like she just wants to get something in front of the cameras and. And listen, she's an executive, but she also started her career as a producer. Yeah. She should care about about what is what is being written to put in front of the camera. And it seems like ever since she became the president of Lucasfilms, she stopped giving a shit. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, and honestly, uh, my my biggest fear was that listen, Harrison Ford's in his eighties. He could barely do the stunts like over ten years ago. How the fuck is he going to do the stunts now? He's ten, he's a whole he's more than a decade older than he was in with uh, Crystal Skull, mm-hmm. and th- then you know obviously it was always going to be a pipe dream that Shia LaBeouf was going to reprise his role as Mutt, and then you know right before they started shooting, he kind of got canceled for reasons that we're not going to get into, so I was like okay well he's definitely not going to be in the movie, uh, who's going to be his his co lead his co star, and listen. I personally have nothing against Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I have nothing against her. But having seen some episodes of Fleabag, having seen... Um, well, that's really the only major thing she's been in. She, she was barely in Solo. And, uh, like, I don't mind her work in No Time to Die as a writer, but it was like... I don't, no Time to Die is kind of whatever to me as a James Bond movie. Um, but it was very obvious that they hired her because they wanted a sassy British woman to be the co-star. And that's fine. But it, for me, it looks like that's all Phoebe Walderbridge can really do is be the sassy British woman. But whatever. Uh, and then, you know, like James Mangold and the, the talk about... Then there was talk about, like, th- this isn't a spoiler. There was always talk about that there was going to be a set piece with a digital Indiana Jones. And I was like, okay, this movie is going to be the worst in all the ways I can imagine. A fake Indiana Jones, uh, an unbearable co-star because they need to have something sarcastic and witty that or says things that they think is weird. I, I do not have high hopes for this movie. And then uh, when the trailer got released and it seemed to confirm leaks that I happened to read on random internet sites, I was like, oh, this movie is going to be a clusterfuck. And then there were reports that uh, there were there were test screenings done and that these test screenings just panned the movie, mm-hmm. that this movie was in a lot of trouble. And James Mangold, you know, is trying to do damage control on Twitter. I'm like, oh my God. That's not where you do damage control for the record. For the record, Twitter is not where you do damage control. I was like, oh my God, this movie's going to, this movie, this movie may kill Harrison Ford. Oh my God. Mm. Uh, So yeah, coming into this, I was like, oh my God, this, this might be like the lowest of the low that Indiana Jones will ever be. I, I and I came I knew we were going to watch this because of the review but I was also like I, I just need to see how big of a train wreck this is going to be. So that's really was kind of my my attitude going into this. How about you, C? What how was your what were your thoughts, your attitudes coming into this? Honestly, my thinking was it could not be worse than Crystal Skull. There I said it. I was like this can't be that. This can't be as bad as that. You you never really followed the movie or never followed news of the production? I knew 
that information got leaked. And whenever that happens, I, as much as I can, I intentionally don't look anything up. The example right now, and this is not a movie, but rather the biggest example I can think of is for a video game, the new Grand Theft Auto game. Everything about it, every single thing about its story, the missions, the levels, everything you can do in it was leaked. And I'm still, like, I want to be curious about that mo that game, so I, I'm not looking it up. But I I often choose not to look uh, stuff up like that if I can help it. But and but you, you didn't follow, like, like news like okay this is when they're releasing it they started shooting it you you really didn't follow closely the production not as closely no i okay. didn't i knew i saw when so here's what i knew that they announced that at at some point so after force awakens come out they said yes we are doing a we will do a indiana jones movie it will be made and i remember shortly after that was announced you saw on imdb it was a picture of Indiana Jones with his cap facing forward. And you saw in like the weird font of Indiana Jones that we think of as the Indiana Jones font, you just see the number five. Like that was around for a while. Oh like yeah. That's all yeah. It was a very weird poster. It was around for a while. Um, and I did not know at the moment that it was James Mangold directing it, but I learned that very shortly before I saw it, and that actually gave me hope because James Mangold has made a f quite a, a few very good movies. He's, act he's a very talented director. Oh, yeah. So I was like, that gave me hope. I'm like, okay, great. Um, I did not know about the test screening situation until actually when we walked out of the movie, and we'll bring up something later on that explained that. Um but I went in thinking, okay, you've got a really talented director and you've got a movie. And the trailers didn't look that bad to me, but I didn't also have the hindsight of it confirming things that people were worried about. I just saw it and was like, okay, this is going to be sort of your standard situation. I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um, I was neither, it wasn't something I was super hyped for and it wasn't something I was like, thinking was going to be truly, truly awful. So that's sort of where I was at with it. But I knew I had to see it, obviously, because why would I miss something like that? Mm. All right. So how's about we watch the trailer and then we give our review proper on this flick? Let's do it. I'm retiring. Well, in that case, what are we drinking? Same for the goddaughter. Dad told me you found something. On a train during the war. A dial that could change the course of history. Why are you chasing the thing that drove your father crazy? Don't move. We need to get out of here. Stop! Sorry. Helena! Dr. Jones, get him. Hitler made mistakes, and with this, I will correct them all. You stole it. Then you stole it. And then I stole it. It's called capitalism. This way! Fasten your 
our seatbelts, there might be some turbulence. You've taken your chances, made your mistakes, and now a final triumph. Indiana Jones. A few times in my life I've seen things. I've been tortured with voodoo. Been shot nine times. Including once by your father. Ah, sorry. But I've been looking for this all my life. Contrary to what Solace says, uh, Indiana Jones can't give people hell because he's almost 90 years old. So <sighs> just, just putting that no, out there. That, that was me. That was me. I apologize, Harrison we Ford. We love you, Harrison Ford. You've, um, when, I, oh. when I heard, I know some people that met you and they told me you smelled like pot, but that's beside the point. <laughs> um, yeah, listen. Um, uh, I, I'm, I just want to make a comment and I'll give it to you. See? Yeah. Uh, mixing Symphony for the Devil with the Indiana Jones score shouldn't work. And it, I, I don't think it does work, but it gets damn close. And I'm like, huh, okay, I get it. Well, because it's the, it's the same upbeats. But oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The difference is in the Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones song, the upbeats are a little more spaced out. Yeah. So... It it um it, it doesn't work, but it almost does. Yeah, you're right. It almost does, but it actually doesn't. And that's that actually kind of sums up this movie a little bit. But we'll get into that. No, no, go ahead. Floor is okay. yours. So, this movie almost works, but unfortunately, it doesn't fully work. Um, and I say that wanting to really you know have fun with this. I, I really. Wanted to look at this as an Indiana Jones movie without pressing the burden of an incredible trilogy and a bad fourth movie. Like, I didn't want to apply that unfair pressure to it. In some franchises, you can't help that. Like, I couldn't help that with when the Star Wars sequel trilogy came out. Like, how can that be stopped? But I... I really tried to not put that undue burden on it. It's just why, you know, you saw some one of the previous Indiana Jones movies. I did not. I wanted to go into this as blind as possible. And I think I did have fun with it. But at the same time, this was not necessary. We didn't need this, unfortunately. I actually, one thing I said to you is that I would have preferred if something like this came out in 2008 instead of Crystal Skull. And it would have been like, okay, this was the lukewarm fourth one. Because for the record, folks, I think Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is a worse movie than this. But not by much, but I do think Kingdom is worse. Or Crystal Skull is worse. But, like, because you have now two bad ones, or a bad one and a lukewarm one, that just has caused, like, more damage to the franchise, unfortunately. Because, yeah, it just caused more damage to the franchise. 
Uh, do you want me? I can get into hyper specifics here about pros and cons. Um, the pros are that there are some really good set pieces. I would say there are two amazing set pieces, one okay one, and then the rest aren't so great. Um, One thing you do kind of notice, though, is that after the first two set pieces, the other set pieces are sort of weird homages to other films to the other movies but they're like bigger basically like even the there's an underwater set piece and it's kind of an homage to you know when they in temple of doom a little bit uh sort of um so i think you can see the parts that james mangold was passionate about and that he really wanted to make sure worked and he did a great job on those. But then unfortunately, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say he phoned it in. That's not fair, but I do think he defaulted to what had already been planned out maybe a little bit after he got the parts he wanted to get the, um, cause I'll just say it. The, the, the moment where he's on a, when Indiana Jones is on horseback running a, away from a subway train, I liked that. I thought that was cool. I thought that was an, an acceptable way to get an older Indiana Jones some action, some fun action because he's not the one running. He's on a horse and the horse is doing it. So I accepted that. And, and then you, you realize that they, they literally go like, well, how do we, how do we get uh 80 year old Harrison Ford in dynamic set pieces? Always have him writing something that goes fast. Yeah, and that's yeah, yes, yes, they and, did. And it, it becomes so blatant, like when the third set piece happens, where you're like, oh, uh, like he has, he's he's on a he's on a little tuk tuk scooter, yeah, and that thing happens to go ten times as fast as they ever do in real life. Yeah, that was the other uh, part. And, and and it goes on way too long, but hey, it's dynamic, it's fast, it's action packed. And all Harrison Ford has to do is be sitting down. And then you have a digital copy of him jump to another one, and that's it. And that's that that actually very much points out the problem there is that, wow, that's a that's actually a really incredible observation. They put him in fast things, basically. Yeah, yeah. That that, that it, was gonna it, be my my main thing, yeah. And it works once because the first set piece, he's younger. And it's CGI'd. Yeah. And I would have been bothered by the CGI face. I'm not denying that. But everything around that was very good. So I was like, okay. I was able to kind of like push that aside a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but the... The MacGuffin is not good. Like, it's just... It's not the Dial of Destiny. Although, I credit where credit's due. This is a better villain than Crystal Skull by a lot because it actually ties into some very true like conspiracies and some facts of the fact that America brought over any some certain Nazi scientists and had them work on the space program like to make that your villain is an interesting idea I do like that um, I actually wish they had done something a little bit more with that in some sort of way but they just didn't um and of course, you've got Mads Mikkelsen, Mads Mikkelsen, who 
is going to do a, he you put him in a villain role he'll knock it out of the park every single time like it's just it's what he's really really good at um fun fact folks he's great as non-villain roles too but most he only does his non-villain stuff in non-american films I, basically i would say i would say like Kate Blanchett is a better actor than yes. Matt Nicholson. Not by a lot, but but it's there. She she yeah. has more talent. She did but, tar, she won. Yeah, but uh but uh and he did drunk. But yes, uh, he did. But uh Matt Nicholson just he he knows how to play a good villain. He yeah. he comes to America he does his real cinema in Denmark, but then he comes to America it's like, "Okay, what what villain do you need?" Okay, what I'll villain do, it. do you, uh, He's been like what? 3 or 4 villains? Dude, no, he's been mine. Like he's been Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> oh, you're, you're. I was just. I wasn't thinking TV, but you're right. He's yeah. been okay. But yeah, he's he's really good at playing villains. And you know what it is? Because he kind of. It's something in the way he talks that really helps with the villains that he does. Yeah. Like he he spaces out the tempo of his speech by like half a beat too long. And it comes off as like cruel. It kind of comes off as calculating, and it's very good. But he he hides it well. That's the thing, and it's it's it just comes off as you know kind of evil. But you know, like like we've said, when he's back in his home country, he plays non. In fact, like that's one of his things. He doesn't play villain roles in his home country, or not that I know of. Um, but so yeah, you have Mads Mikkelsen as a villain, and that's just gonna work. Um. But the movie, as these set pieces get worse and worse, the movie also gets worse and worse, unfortunately, at tying them together. Um, in fact, there's some pretty blatant moments where they get away from the Indy and the crew, get away from the villains, and it doesn't make sense how the villains would be able to find them. Because it's such a ham- unfortunately it was a bit ham fisted in the way they excused the villains figuring out where they were going next. Mm-hmm. There's one really egregious example, but in general it's kind of like very flawed. Um, as I pointed out, the the Dial of Destiny is not a great MacGuffin. There's something about it that it's it has too many weird rules around it because the whole point with any of these MacGuffins in Indiana Jones is, is it, it's not real. It's not real. And it always is real. But with this, it's, it it deals with that same balance of it's not real. It's not real. But then if this is real, you're going to be hard pressed for us to show that. And boy, do they, um, they, while the alien bit jumped the shark pretty badly, this definitely jumps a dolphin or two. Like this was, <laughs> I think this, this jumps a whale, good. but, but listen, I respect your opinion. No, you, you know what? You probably think this jumps a megalodon. <laughs> we will be, we will be reviewing later this year. Um, the Meg too. Um, no, this, this definitely jumps something like, and they, here's the thing. There's a way to do what they did and make it work almost but then like our sense of disbelief is shattered very quickly when god i can't even say it but 
my point is, it is sad to see that this movie breaks down as each set piece goes along, but I did still have fun with it. I really did. Um, and the, like I said, the first two set pieces are awesome. You know what? This was a lot like... This movie was a lot like uh, Spectre, the James Bond movie Spectre. Yeah. Where great opening, like really awesome and solid villain, but just starts to kind of break down in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. um, and kind of falls under its own. Well, Spectre really falls under its own weight. This one doesn't do it as much, but this one just is carrying too many groceries and is struggling to keep them together. But doesn't fall. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm rambling a bit, but yeah, I had fun with it, but it definitely had problems that are unavoidable. That were that were you can't ignore. Okay, so my thoughts. Yes. All right. First, I want to say something. They say this movie is two hours and thirty-four minutes long. That's actually incorrect. These movies are actually around two hours and ten minutes, and it has like a 24 minute short film right before right before it starts proper and that short film is indiana jones on a train trying to stop nazis and listen uh what some some bit of credit i want to give uh when when they announced this movie they said there's going to be a the uh, there's going to be a set piece it's going to be the first set piece where we see old school indiana jones fighting nazis like what you're used to and the thing was, it's like, okay, they're going to use digital de-aging on Harrison Ford. Turns out that wasn't the case. What they did was that they cast Anthony and Goober. Uh, do you know who Anthony and Goober is? Uh, I, do. I don't think I do. He got famous because he made vines like mimicking Harrison Ford. He, he was that vine guy that looked exactly oh, like Harrison Ford. I remember this. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he looked like, like exactly like a young Harrison he, Ford. He looks so much like uh, Harrison Ford that they cast him as a young Harrison Ford in Age of Adeline. And mm. he actually got an audition for Solo, uh, but he didn't get it. And people to this day don't know why. But, you know, they basically brought him on to this project to play Indiana Jones in that sequence. And, you know, he was told, it wasn't like he was blindsided by this, no. that they were going to put a digital mask of a young Harrison Ford over him and Harrison Ford would, would dub his lines. Uh, so it's actually really interesting. There's an interview out there where, uh, Toby Jones talks about how, like, like he was acting with Anthony and Gruber and like, he really, he really only got to act with, uh, with Harrison Ford in one scene that happened later in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so credit to him that, you know, he's a guy who started off pretending to be Harrison Ford actually became Harrison Ford in a major Hollywood production. Um, I know our, our mutual friend Chris is like a big fan of his because he's like, yeah, that guy should have been solo. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that set piece is almost 20 <clears> minutes <throat> long. It, it, it can be a short film in and of itself because it has a clear beginning, middle, climax, and end. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's great. It, like, the, the, only, the only thing I can say about that is that like, the, the digital mask of Harrison Ford is really like apparent. Like they try to hide it by having it be a night. The lighting is different. It glows. It almost it glows. glows. It, it's really weird. Um, I don't know why that happened because like when they do digital de-aging on, 
on uh, Michael Douglas in the MCU movies, it looks almost flawless, but mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the big problem with that is that there is one big problem with that, that, that whole sequence, that, that mm -hmm. first set piece. Uh, folks, watch any Harrison Ford movie before The Fugitive. He has a relatively smooth, low baritone voice. <laughs> watch any Harrison Ford movie he's done since The Fugitive. Mm -hmm. That is the grumpiest, roughiest voice I've ever heard. <sighs> I didn't kill my wife. So, when you see an, uh, Harrison Ford, a young Harrison Ford, with old man Harrison Ford voice, that's distracting as fuck. It's so distracting. And I don't know why they didn't try to like filter it or try to, cause, cause my understanding is it, I don't, folks, if you've seen the Mandalorian, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Mark Hamill's in the Mandalorian, but they were able to like modulate his voice so that he sounded the way he sounded in the eighties. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like Lucasfilm owns that technology. Why they didn't do that in dial of destiny. It's so off-putting that, like, you see a young Harrison, you see a digital Harrison Ford, you're like, okay, I expect him to sound a certain way, because I had just seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, or just rewatched it, and then be like, holy shit, this is Harrison Ford from his paycheck days. What the fuck? <laughs> the pay. If you guys ever want to see a crazy movie, Harrison Ford movie, watch Paycheck. It's directed by John Woo, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So that's kind of what this movie is, is that there's something cool, but then there's these little things that just throw you off. And for the actual movie proper that starts when he wakes up in the morning in the 60s in his bachelor apartment, it's that you're making an adventure movie with an I 80s. even heard you say, what the fuck, like <laughs> when that scene opened up. You're making an adventure movie with an 80-plus-year-old man who why he looks okay for 80 he yeah. definitely has an 80 year old man body an 80 year old man gait and an 80 year old man posture mm -hmm. and 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 so what does that mean that means that the movie has to come up with these set pieces where he's not moving he's on something he's on something that's moving mm -hmm. And to their credit, they put a lot of effort into at least making these sequences, these set pieces, like, like rational up to a certain point. But it feels like they put so much focus on that, that they just didn't focus on what really should have been the important part of this movie. And that's the story. Mm -hmm. The story is very, very paper thin, super paper thin. And by extension, its characters are very, very, the most... The most well-developed character is the villain. The fucking yeah. villain is the, yeah. mo the, the most. That's why I like the most, that character. Or that, was that, interesting. Found him interesting. The, the, the character with the most dimension. Like when the villain gives his motivation speech, it's you're generally like, whoa, what the fuck? That's, that's, a, that's quite a twist, right? Mm -hmm. And it's crazy that like Indiana. Okay, so, and, and th this isn't a critique on the movie, but this is something I should point out. Unfortunately, Indiana Jones and Dial of Destiny falls into the same kind of like I don't know. I don't does Kathleen Kennedy have something against Harrison Ford? I don't know. Where the same thing that happened with Force Awakens is that here we have our heroes in a really, really shitty, like they're shitty old men failures. We saw this with Harrison with Han Solo in The Force Awakens. 
We saw this with Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi, and we see it again with Indiana Jones in The Dial of Destiny. That no, it, it is that is something. Yeah, that is something they've done. I I don't know I don't know why Lucasfilm has to ha- tell these types of stories because like I, I I don't know like I don't know if they're trying to make commentary on our on our, on these cinematic heroes and the commentary is just not very well thought out or or what but but they always do this or they've been doing this I don't know why I don't know why they want to do this trend, and the thing is is that they've like listen, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Gave Indiana Jones a family, mm-hmm. a family and and like something outside of adventuring. And in Dial of Destiny, it's all taken away. But here's the thing. We don't even the same problem I had with Force Awakens and Last Jedi is that. Well, OK, more Force Awakens. Last Jedi actually showed us it being taken away from from Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't even see how he lost it. He has to tell a character and by extension, the audience, how he lost what he gained at the end of the previous movie. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that when you have a character that lost everything and has to start back up, our investment should be in him getting that back or, or kind of going for it, uh, being proactive in either getting that back or getting something equivalent back, you know, something to give him purpose. Right. That's that's what we want. That's what we ask for. That's what we're expecting. If you're going to start, if you're going to start him off in a shit pile, we want to see him get out of that shit pile. And the problem with this story is that even though he's, we see him in a shitty point in his life, he's an old failure. He's been out of the game too long. What we get instead is that, you know, he meets up with his goddaughter played by Phoebe Walder bridge, Helena, Helena Shaw. Mm -hmm. And, and I just I just realized she she has they have the same last name as the Shaws from uh, the Jason Statham character the Helen Mirren characters maybe <laughs> this is a prequel to the Fast and the Furious stop no <laughs> but anyway 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 no anyway. they were driving around like crazy too ah! oh my god but uh, uh, Universal is gonna sue Disney mm-hmm. um, but been anyway waiting. anyway uh, the story isn't about him kind of getting all that back by way of whatever mystical MacGuffin he needs to get. No, he kind of gets, he kind of just for reasons has to get this magical MacGuffin, the dial of destiny because he meets up with his goddaughter, his goddaughter screws him over and he's like, okay, I need to get that back. And that whole adventure has nothing to do with his own inner turmoil. It's just, Nope. It's just like, I got to do this. And then I'm going to go back to kind of wallowing in my misery. And the third act goes crazy. It goes in a crazy direction. Mm-hmm. And he goes like, well, this thing fills the void. And I, I want to do this. And then the movie has to figure a way for him to. The, the movie not goes like that. No, you don't, don't want this. Let, let's kind of give you back what we took away. And that's how the movie ends. And I was like, what What the fuck? But it very what? much felt like, almost like one of the, you know what the last scene felt like? It felt like an office birthday party. You know yeah. What I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, hello, here we are. Hey, you, hey. It's like, this is weird. 
and this and the, the weird thing is is that they've been marketing this as indiana jones's last adventure right mm-hmm. and first of all the mystical MacGuffin they chose they don't even like they don't even oh, know what it does well 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 here, oh, here's the do, thing but... here's the thing here's the thing normally when you do a final chapter like a like an actual final chapter it's usually uh introspection over your character over the themes over the stories you've been telling right there there's a there's a meta element to it where the story like last of, crusade maybe no, yeah like last yeah. crusade yeah. last crusade brought up like why indiana jones is an adventurer it brought up why he um his like, relationship with his father his relationship with his father why he couldn't be a regular archaeologist we saw because his relationship with his father and the relationship he had with the treasure thief. Um, we see how like it's about like letting mystical objects go. You know, he lets go the mother of all mystical objects, the the Holy Grail. Like, like it. That's very introspective, you know. And this one because they're like, okay, we're not doing it anymore because Harrison Ford can't do it anymore. It's like they just play it off kind of like a like if it was a Temple of Doom type adventure. He just because that was the thing with Temple of Doom. It was kind of this thing that they just happened to crash land into India mm-hmm. and they just happened to go into this village where they find out that there's this problem and he hears about this mystical object. He's like, oh, that's crazy. Let me go to this this Indian castle. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of that where it's like, oh, my goddaughter took something from me. And for reasons, I mean, the, the, the movie stretches his neck to justify why he decides to follow her. Mm-hmm. But it's still something where you're like, Okay, that makes no sense. If if you have to follow her because of these external circumstances, those same external circumstances would have not allowed you to be even get on an airplane. The fuck? Like like he he has no like and, and here's the other thing. The movie gives a character an obsessive desire to find this MacGuffin, to find this style of destiny. They don't give it to Indiana Jones. So then when when you're when you have to buy that Indiana Jones is going to risk his life to find this thing you're like why why like okay the goddaughter wants it but even she's like okay let's she's dump just this selling shit. it yeah she just wants to sell she's fine with just having half of it to sell it like 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 the, there's no narrative reason for indiana jones to be on this adventure outside of of outside of something that happens in the plot that if you take it at face value would not have allowed him to even leave the country Right. He goes like, oh, I, I need to do this because of this. Well, that reason would not even allow you to leave the country. How, how did you even get out? Mm-hmm. And how did uh, you get back in? Exactly. So that, that, that's my big problem is that this adventure is just kind of and that that's kind of my issue with Temple of Doom. This adventure just kind of falls on Indiana Jones's lap. And he's like, OK, I guess. Yeah. And, the and, problem, though, is Temple of Doom wasn't like the end. This is the end. Yeah. It, yeah. This is the end. It should have been something that he's like, okay, I'm passionate about this. I, I lost everything. I'm in misery, but this thing meant so much to me that I'm going to get out of my misery, become Indiana Jones again and kick ass to get this magical thing. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't happen. Um, the only one who has a reason to chase after this thing is the character of Helena played by Phoebe Walder bridge. And her reasonings are like, like her, you would think like, okay, this, my dad was obsessed about this. My dad was super obsessed about this. So I'm now super obsessed about this. No, she goes like, oh yeah, I remembered my dad was obsessed about this. And I'm kind of in the black market of selling 
priceless items. So I kind of just wanted to sell it. And then, and then it's like, okay, so they get in trouble with the Nazis and she's like, well, uh, I just want more thing. I just going on this thing to sell stuff. And then magically she's like, oh no, I, I want to help Indiana. But her character turn is so sudden. Like it's literally like one day she's literally one scene. She's telling her partner. Yeah, no, like we're, first chance we get, we're going to steal the stuff from Indiana and sell it. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, oh, I want to help you, Indiana. And yeah. there, there is a scene where Indiana monologues about everything he's lost, but it's literally one monologue. It's, it's one monologue and she suddenly has a change of heart. But, and listen, I'm, I'm certain Phoebe Waller-Bridge is actually a good actress. I mean, she must be if she's getting all these high profile projects. But I did not believe for a second that that little speech made a complete 180 on her character, like a total 180. Mm-hmm. I did not. I like like for characters like that, you have to give them a, a turn that's gradual and that makes sense. Like I had recently just watched Tropic Thunder, right? I recently saw Tropic Thunder. And in that movie, the character, uh, the, the Robert Downey Jr. character, right? Like you see the turn from him being a, a nut job method actor and then eventually like finally being comfortable in his own skin. And this is a comedy, right? Where those things aren't important. What's important is the joke, not really the character growth, but it's gradual. And by the time he says, he says, I- I'm a nobody, you know, in his Australian accent, you're like, okay, we saw the gradual change where you, you're, you're convinced you're this black American and then you're like, no, you're this Australian, right? And then like, oh, you're this Australian actor portraying this black American. And and I'm not saying like you have to have Shakespeare level writing in this movie. This is an adventure movie. I get that. But to be like, oh, I heard this sad story. And now my entire care being, my entire being, this, this heartless like treasure thief is gone. And now I want, I'm, I'm, the, I'm your goddaughter again. Like, no, that's bullshit. That's totally bullshit. Uh, the only one here who had a who had a character arc and had an interesting dimension to themselves was the villain, and that's crazy. That's that crazy. Is pretty crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. But yeah. So and you've you've said so much about the set pieces. For me, it's like there was one really good set piece that ran. There was one really good set piece in the beginning. Uh, the 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 actual set piece involving the horse was pretty good. I, I liked it. The Tuck Tuck set piece was way too long. That ran way too long. And it was very obvious that it was Harrison Ford, Phoebe Walder Bridge, and their 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 partner, their little kid, tag along kid, inside the cart on a green screen where it was just moving back and forth, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And that where there's this the only moment where Harrison Ford has to jump, it's a digital double. Yeah. And you can tell because digital doubles, when they jump, they almost float for a minute. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he definitely floated. And then and then after that, it's it's an underwater set piece where they're able to get away because you don't see Harrison Ford's face. So it's obviously a stunt double. Like, for God's sakes, the stunt double looked a little thinner than regular Harrison Ford. Yeah, they were kind to the yeah. stunt double. And, and then they literally have him just kind of gate like old man walking around in a in a cave that's very obviously a, a studio back lot mm-hmm. right where we only ever see him walk and then we see him walk and then we cut to him like like in the middle of climbing a, a cliff or a, a cave wall mm-hmm. and then like from a distance we see him fall down a slide and then 
like it's always cut in a way where you can where it's the body double and then it's Harrison Ford. And it's so obvious. It's so obvious that you're like, why are you doing this to this old man? Why? Why? And, no, then, the fi- yeah. and then the final set piece is pretty much just Harrison Ford sitting down. <laughs> He's sitting down in an airplane, right? Make cracking, talking to the bad guy. Yeah. And then he gets out of the, and then like he gets out of the airplane and then he's just old man walking around and that's it. That's really it. I, I kind of explained all the set pieces and how Harrison Ford's involved in them. He never does a, he, he doesn't have a fight scene. He doesn't have a, like a chase scene, like an on foot chase scene. He doesn't have like a, like a, like a Indiana Jones, like physical, physical stunt scene. He has none of those. And I get it. He's old. But when you don't have those things, you really don't have an Indiana Jones movie. You really don't. Like, like Phoebe Waller-Bridge, her participation in the final set piece, she's on a motorcycle. That's, that's what Indiana Jones should be doing, on a motorcycle, jumping off from it to jump on a plane. Mm-hmm. But he can't do that because he's old, so they give it to her. And she does fine. I'm not saying she doesn't, but it's like you, it's so obvious that that, that was conceived as an Indiana Jones scene. Mm-hmm. But Harrison Ford and his age just doesn't allow it. And, you know, it's... The movie suffers from it, so uh, yeah. Uh, any anything else you want to add? See, um, the ending is ridiculous. Uh, the ending feels like a, a reshoot. Well, we're pretty sure it was based on the uh, the test screenings, from what you told oh, me. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like I don't know if if that was done because of the test screenings, but it just, liter- folks, this is literally what it is. It's a harsh cut to black and then boom, we're in the epilogue. Yeah. Any harsh sudden. cut any harsh cut to black that isn't played for a joke, that was because the editor, producer and the director were like, how do we connect this scene to this new ending? Yeah. Uh, harsh cut to black. Okay. Yeah. Sure. That, literally in film school that's what they told us to do. And yeah. they said, "Listen, your audience knows what you're doing, but they accept it anyway." Yeah, I didn't accept it. I was like, "Wait, what? Like bullshit!" You guys set up so many, uh, so many um, um, threads for like a, for so many threads for like ending this particular set piece to just cut to black like that. Bullshit! This is a reshoot, and it had to have been because of those test screenings, which uh, uh, from from what I've read were legendarily bad. Mm. Yeah, but um, you know, it just. And, and listen, you might, you guys might think, wow, he's really shitting on this movie. I like the set. The set pieces are fun. The set pieces are, are, are at least a good reason to watch this in theaters. But ultimately, once you realize, oh, Harrison Ford is always sitting down (laughs) or he's always on, he's always, or he's on just something that moves fast. Once you realize that you realize like, oh, everything here is constructed around the fact that this is an 80 year old man who cannot do stunts anymore. He just can't. And listen, it's like, okay, we get it. We know Indiana Jones is old. We know. Why are we here then? Why? Like, like if this, if this is going to be the last one and we have to deal with him being old, okay. But give us a story that warrants this being that warrants being told as a final chapter. And they didn't give us that. They didn't this, Again, my big beef with this movie, like 
on a on a meta level is that it's a story where a magical MacGuffin lands on his lap and he decides, okay, I guess I'm taking this adventure. Nothing about it is meant to kind of be a study of Indiana Jones or help Indiana Jones get out of his current uh, emotional predicament or or a conclusion of a, of a thread that has been around Indiana Jones since the beginning. No, it's just, oh, this adventure fell on my lap. I guess I'll take it. And then there's just this weird stuff where, like, the CIA is involved and then that thread gets dropped. Um, you know, again, the whole thing about Helena being a treasure thief is brought up and it's kind of prevalent for the first two acts but then he just gives a speech about how shitty his life is and she just drops it she, that whole element of her character is just totally dropped <laughs> like like in fact like there's no resolution to like how sh how there's no resolution to like the disagreement between her and indy over how she lives her life you know there's no resolution to that where it's just like, it's just is suddenly it just it's just dropped like, like he brings up like, oh, your father would be so disappointed in what you've become. And that never gets resolved. She never says like, I'm leaving it behind. Or she never goes like, screw you, Indiana. This is who I am. You got to accept it. There's no resolution to that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that the movie has to have her denounce her life as a treasure thief. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that. I'm saying have it be like, okay, put the lid on it. Put, put, put the final stamp on it. Like. This you can make her I... the you can make her the Catwoman of this world, where she still yeah. kind of does what she does, but is at least not has but learned totally, has learned it's, something. It's totally dropped, and I'm I'm almost certain it's because they reshot the ending and they just wanted to focus on a particular thing because people were like, Indiana Jones's life is too shitty. You got to give him something nice, and the whole mm -hmm. final scene is about giving him that nice thing that everything else is dropped, like mm -hmm. the logistics of how they got they got home is dropped. Like, Do you think he died in the original ending? Uh, for the record, for the record, he didn't. He, that's not what happens. To be clear, folks, I, that's not I what happens. Think, but, I think, yeah. In order, in order to not spoil the third act, yeah. I think, I think what was going to happen was that he wasn't going to go home. Mm -hmm. He wasn't going to go home and that the ending was going to be Helena finding out that he could still somehow communicate through a long way around that he was okay to her. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think the original ending was going to be. And nobody liked that. I, 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 or it could, or it could have been like the, the ending you, you hypothesized. Yes, which, which I, I won't say too much because it's spoiler. Yeah, it's too spoilery. But if that was the ending, oh, dude, I could, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if there were riots. Like, what the fuck yeah. did you do to Indiana? Yeah, that would have um, been rough. But, 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 do you agree with me that this movie feels like? Because I was talking to this to a mutual friend of ours, where this movie feels like they took all the set pieces, and because nobody liked the story, they cut the story to the bones. To make it a very simple, and then they go here, and then they go here, and then they go here. And that's why we got the movie that's so thin narratively. Like, so, so thin. I think like, James Mangold just did that intentionally, with the understanding that the ending has clearly been reshot. Um, like, I've I haven't seen something more obvious in a long time than like, that. So, did you... Did you uh, I'm, I'm thinking this is true, but mm -hmm. originally, the movie Annie Hall was... 
a, a, a murder mystery with a romance subplot hmm. and that Woody Allen shot that. And when they tested that to the producers, the producers were like, this murder mystery element sucks. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. And But the romance stuff, the chemistry between you and Diane Keaton is amazing. And that he totally scrapped all the footage he shot about the murder mystery element, shot some more footage between about the romance, and that's the movie we got today. Really? I haven't yeah. heard that, but that's fascinating. Yeah. And that what I think happened here is that they had a story no one liked no one liked it they cut out most of the chunk that alluded to indie indie's ultimate fate mm-hmm. and that's why the movie's so thin like like i had a i had a our mutual friend chris told me that he read somewhere and guys this isn't a spoiler he's in the trailer that antonio banderas was going to be a more antagonistic role mm. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, yeah. And that that must have been reshot. Mm. Or or they just cut it out completely. And if that's the case, it really does show because, again, it's literally like set piece. Co- convenient conversation where Harrison Ford is sitting down talking to Helena. Set piece. Convenient scene where Harrison Ford is sitting down talking to Mads Mikkelsen or, or they cut to the villains. Right. And, and, or they cut to the villains where Indiana Jones is involved at all. And it's so like, like there's just all these threads that get brought up that never get talked about again, mm-hmm. where, and it's like, okay, they, there must've been a, a, a more complete movie here that no one liked, or at least that that's my theory. Um, that's it's, why, cause I, yeah. you get the story so bare bones. Is I think any- to, uh, for my thing, I think James Mangold made this bare bones intentionally because he looked at the problems of crystal skull and basically said, okay, I'm going to do the opposite. So I think his intention was, I want to loosely stitch these giant set pieces together much like temple. He was, I think he was trying to go back to temple of doom era because I think, and this is in one way, I think this was somewhat smart of him. I think he realized I can't make a Raiders or a Last Crusade, but I can do a Temple of Doom. And I think that's the route he took. So I actually understand why he made it this way. Um, And like I said, with the exception of the ending, I think a lot of this was as intended. But I do find what Chris said about Antonio Banderas' character very interesting. I do wonder if there's... I do wonder if there's more info on that. Mm also a movie yeah. this this narratively thin and where the character work is just so non-existent this movie should not have one two four credited writers yeah, well that these were not co- these were not co-writers these were passed along writers yeah Let's exactly be honest like, like over two, the course two of were, years two were brothers butterworth mm-hmm. brothers or cousins i don't know Okay. Then David Cope, who usually writes good stuff, not a good director, yeah. but usually writes good stuff. And here's the tell. When you have a James Mangold, the director, having a written by credit, that yeah. usually means that the director rewrote scenes on set. That's usually what that means. This and is a true. a big chunk of them. So, and it's crazy that Antonio Banderas is the third credited cast member. Is he really? Yeah, it's Harrison Ford, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and Antonio Banderas. You would think it'd be, it'd be uh, 
uh, Mads Mikkelsen, but no, he's the third credited cast member. So that oh. tells you that, yeah, this thing was cut to shit. That, yeah, yeah, then there is something possible there. Um, it, al- it also makes sense why that first set piece lasts so long. Because it really does feel like a short film in and of itself. But, you know, who knows? Who knows? Uh, is there Maybe anything else you want to add before you give your rating, see? Honestly, I can give my rating now. Okay, give it. This was a... Hmm. Okay. I honestly, and maybe I'm being kind here, this was barely a movie. Barely. It it works as a cohesive singular piece and I you have fun with it, but the the glaring issues are very clear as would say glaring and cla- in, implied um, that and you can't entirely ignore them but yeah this is a this is barely a movie this is a whatever movie to me um, I, I was going to give it a meh but I'm like no I mean, the set pieces are good enough that it should be seen on the big screen but mm-hmm. man you leave kind of like eh, whatever like and you should never say that with a no. With a that's Indiana the problem. Jones you movie. should never say that with an Indiana Jones movie. You should either say like, "Holy shit, that was horrible." Well, or, we've all, yeah. Or you should go like, or you should go like, what? Or you should go like, "Oh my god," like Harrison Ford and is is a is a badass. What the fuck? That was great. Yeah. Um, and here's the thing. I'm saying that was whatever. And the third act is more what the fuck than the third act in Crystal Skull. I disagree with that, although it's damn close. It's damn close, but... But here's the thing, though. We both walked out going, like, it was, whatever. Yeah. Like, having such a batshit crazy third act, and we still went, like, it was, whatever. That is is actually kind of funny to have something so insane, and we didn't react to it as strongly as we probably did when we saw Crystal Skull. You know, here's the thing about Crystal Skull. It was so, like, in your face that this was so crazy insane that we were looking at little green men. That it, it felt like Steven Spielberg was going like, look, look, look at the alien. Look at it. Look at it. Yeah. And in this one, it's like, look at this crazy shit. And we're like, what the fuck? And and then because it, it, it also has to do with the fact that like, and this isn't spoiling anything, but it looks like that for that day, they just shot on a beach and they it added does. a little, yeah. <laughs> it just added like one, like set decoration and everything else is CGI. That even though you're seeing something that logically is insane, it's crazy that this is happening in an Indiana Jones movie. Mm-hmm. But because it looks so digital and fake, you're like, oh, okay, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Here we are. Sure, sure, sure. And listen, I know a lot of people are saying like, oh, this is super woke. Oh, a woman is. Re-. No woman's replacing Indiana Jones. The problem is, is that for some reason, Lucasfilm loves putting iconic heroes in a shitty point in their, they're old and in a really shitty, like them being old is the shittiest part of their lives. They've done Mm -hmm. it in three movies now with three different characters, two both played by Harrison Ford. And it's like, yeah. And it's like, okay, but why, but why? Like like the only time they've been like, okay, this guy's in a better place. He was when than before is technically Boba Fett technically. Mm -hmm. But then he, he, 
they really didn't do anything interesting with his character. No. But which is a shame. But yeah. But yeah. Um. Yeah, folks. If if you're an Indiana Jones fan, I'm not gonna stop you from watching it. But you're probably gonna leave going like, yeah, it was. I mean, it was an Indiana Jones flick. Like, I honestly think this because the movie just excretes this vibe of like, it's it's whatever is the reason why it's bombing. Mm-hmm. Like our like we saw this opening weekend and our screening was, I mean, it wasn't full. It wasn't empty, but it wasn't full. It was like. Yeah, that was the thing. I jumped the gun to get tickets because I thought, oh, it's going to be packed. And I was like, oh, no, I can, like, totally get a seat. I can get good seats. Yeah. Which did surprise me. Yeah, we got great seats. And it was, like, like maybe 50% full. Maybe. (laughs) But, yeah, I guess there's nothing else to say about uh, Indiana Jones. I mean, it's it's done. It's over. Um, It's done. It's done. 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 Dun 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 dun. You know, dun, you know, dun, dun, they'll dun, either they'll either dun, reboot dun, dun. this. Which they no, they will. They'll either reboot this with uh with uh Aiden Ehrenreich. No, no, it's gonna be Aiden Ehrenreich. Yeah. Tom Holland's already Indiana Jones by way of Nathan Drake. Ugh, that's uh, not great. <laughs> or, or they get they get Tom Holland. He's like, oh great, who's gonna be my co-star? Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Wahlberg, because because to make this progressive. Uh, we've turned Marion Ravenwood into Mario Ravenwood. Jesus, it's a me, Mario Ravenwood. Oh, I, I don't, I don't think Mark Wahlberg would be pretty no. happy playing he, a gay lover. He would Tom not Holland, love the... Tom Holland would be like, yeah, sure, Indiana Jones is gay, sure, why not? But Mark yeah. Wahlberg would be like, I am He's playing like, no, no, playing don't no fairy. He, yeah, he, he would be like, this isn't gonna good look, uh, be a good look for the Halo app. It's like, all right, all right, Mark, all right. Um, um, sure. <laughs> you know, he's saying that he's like, can we talk about my hollow app? It's like, stop, talk. stop talking, stop talking about your goddamn app. You've seen no, that, no, right? No, no, no. Here's what's going to happen. Tom Holland be like, yeah, I'll be Indiana Jones. Um, but I want two love interests and I want to have an extended sex scene with both of them. And then, uh, Kathleen Kennedy would be like, uh, Tom, uh, what, where, where's this coming from? He's like, listen, if she can have a threesome scene, I'm going to have a threesome scene. And we find out that him God. and Zendaya have been on the rocks mm. <laughs> ever since, ever since uh, she had that, that role in the Luca, the, that Luca Gia. What's his last oh, name? Oh, that new movie coming out. Yeah. Looks good. Looks Luca, good. Luca, I can't. Gia, the Italian Gia. guy. Yeah, yeah, I, I see. It's I know if I, God, Jesus. It, I can pronounce his name if I look at it, but yeah. if I don't have his name in front of me, I'm just gonna say something that sounds anti-Italian. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like they're like, is he making fun of us? It's like, no, he just doesn't. No, know, he just, just doesn't know how to say it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Indiana Jones, it's it's done for now. Um, it'll unless, be back. You know, you know, it'll be back. Okay. It'll be. You you know what's gonna happen. Harrison what? Ford is gonna walk into Bob Iger's office and be like, "Listen, <laughs> listen, I I know, I know the this one didn't make a lot of money, but listen, if we do a sixth one, <laughs> let's do a sixth one. <laughs> we can put it in VR and make you, them and you you Jones. find you find out that Harrison Ford just annoys everybody at Disney because he's like, I I want to do one more. I want he it's like his drug. He's like well, obsessed. Yeah. He is. He is because <laughs> he." He lo- I okay, that is something to talk about for just a moment is like why do you think he's obsessed with that role? Cuz he is. What do you uh, think it is? I think from from the interviews I've I, I don't watch a lot of celebrity interviews, but mm-hmm. I think the big thing is is that 
that role is the most reminiscent of the hero roles that he loved in his childhood. Because you got to remember, this these are based off of forty and serials from the thirties and forties about these adventurers. Um, uh, what was the the there? There's this character that basically inspired Doc Savage. Is that it? No, no, that's not. It, 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 like, like, like the, <sighs> the adventure that we think of. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. No, I think it's Doc Savage. Uh, yeah, Doc Savage. So Indiana Jones is based off of James Bond and Doc Savage. Doc Savage uh, was a was a comic book character started in the 30s and 40s. Had a had a bunch of like short films playing in front of you know like like these these three minute short films that would play in front of the main feature in the 30s and 40s Mm -hmm. and that that was what harrison ford grew up on Mm. so so for him he was finally able to be that yeah this this is his you know how val kilmer in his documentary talked about like how playing batman was such a dream for him because he grew up reading batman comics well, this is that for Harrison Ford, and the best part is, there's no there's no costume, there's no mask. It's literally mm-hmm. a fedora, a leather jacket, and some uh, red wing muck boots. Yeah, and you know it's it's the role that gives him the most the most satisfaction, you know, and with good reason. That's that role along with Han Solo is gonna keep his image forever and ever and ever in Western civilization. So. Yeah, that's true. He, the, those have immortalized him, and yeah. he's done enough of other stuff for him to be remembered in other ways, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I like if if he forces a sixth one, um, I, I think I'm just gonna skip it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he's if we get a 101 year old Indiana Jones, there's gonna be an issue there. Or, or you know what? It may be that he's just sick and tired of of being at home with his wife. And it's just, it gives him a good reason to be out of the house for six months. She's, she sold all the pot. She, he's mad. Who's he married to? He's married to, uh, the, the he's married to the woman from, uh, Ally McBeal. Is he really? Yeah. What's, what's that actress's uh, name? I, 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 I don't know, but that's pretty surprising. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. He's married to, uh, uh, Clarissa Flockhart. Hmm. Calista Flockhart. That's who he's married to. Hmm. Yeah, they've been married to each other since uh, 2010. Ah. Uh-huh. I wonder if they have kids. Well, on that note, this is <laughs> What Do You Think? I'm Al. And I'm C. Thank you, John Williams. Thank you. Yes, seriously. Thank you, John Williams. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>